Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study that is posted every Wednesday evening at 6.30, which is the time that our congregation, the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, meets each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. Now, if you're in the area of Omaha, we encourage you to come and visit with us, check us out, study God's Word with us, worship God, grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, just north of Maple, Maple, top of the hill on 108th. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for another period of worship and Bible study. And then, as I've said, Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged to be able to take on the rest of the week. We come together each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, we know there are people in the Omaha area, and we know there are people who listen to these uh, podcasts all over the country and around the world. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity to be able to help all of you who may be in other areas who want to be in God's Word, who want to study, to be able to podcast these Bible lessons on a regular basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful. Now, we encourage you, if you are getting these, that you share them with everybody you can. Undoubtedly, you know people in your life, probably some within your own family, in fact, who need to grow in their faith, who need to come closer to God, who need to think about their eternal destiny. Help them by sharing these studies with them all the time. You can do that through Facebook, friends, text messages, and other technological means, but share with your family members and friends and work associates and neighbors with literally everybody you can all the time. You may help somebody turn their life around and ultimately get to heaven, and that'll be a great blessing for them for sure, but it will also be a great blessing for you. I'll also encourage everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it's free. It always will be free. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and they will receive also a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures. And they will receive a daily Bible study that's only about 13 minutes long each day. So it's short, but it keeps us in God's Word every day, seven days a week. We call that today's Bible class. Now, being in God's Word is key to the strength, the development, the growth of our faith. The scriptures tell us that faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So encourage everybody you can to sign up for our podcasting. We finished up our study in 2 John, I'm sorry, 1 John. And so we are moving along naturally into 2 John. Now, 1 John was written, of course, it was penned. It is God's very word, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is God's very word. But John, the apostle, was the penman that God used, guided through the Holy Spirit, to write down God's word that we see as 1 John. 2 John, 
is also written by that same apostle, John. Now, 1 John was five chapters long. Now, the chapters are fairly short. The total length of that particular letter is not very long at all, but filled with, with information and instruction for the individual Christian. And we talked about how it's similar in that regard as far as the focus is concerned. It's similar to James and also to First and Second Peter. Well, again, those, those three books, James, First and Second Peter, and then First John, they, they're just loaded with instruction as to how the individual Christian should live his life and encouragement in, in so doing. Well, Second John and Third John, following this short uh, one-chapter letter by John the Apostle, Third uh, John is pretty much equally short. These also are written to the individual Christian as well as to the church as a whole. But again, as a Christian, an individual Christian, we get tremendous instruction as to how we need to view our Christianity, live our life in faithful obedience before God, our Father, and God the Son, Jesus Christ. So John, he writes this, and, and again, this is only 13 verses long, the entire letter of Second John. We're going to look at it in some depth and detail, as we have been doing right along for, well, a number of years now in these Wednesday night Bible classes and the Sunday morning Bible classes that we podcast. So John, he addresses this particular letter in verse 1, and again, there's only one chapter in Second John. The elder, interesting that he identifies himself as an elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Well, a lot of people, they might speculate as to who was this elect lady? Who was this? You can look at a, an alternate rendering or a translation. It, it might say the chosen lady. Well, who was this? Was this some lady that John had gotten to know, uh, maybe a, an influential member within the Lord's church, a faithful follower of Jesus Christ who was of some note or notoriety at that time? Could it have been a Mary, the mother of Jesus? Because remember, at the cross, Jesus told John and John and Mary, Jesus' biological mother of, of this world, he told, he told those two, woman, you know, here's your son. You know, here, take care of this one. In other words, he, he entrusted the care of his mother into the hands of John the apostle. Well, could it, be, could it have been Mary? You know, speculation, I suppose, has been going on for generations since this was written by John or penned by John. But I think the most, the most reasonable and logical understanding, because of the instruction that is contained in this letter to the individual Christians and to the church as a whole, that the elect lady is simply the church, simply the church to the elect lady and her children. Now, somebody might say, well, wait a minute, doesn't that seem to indicate that it would be a particular female individual Christian that he's writing this to and her children? No, the lady can be understood as the church. When you think about what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, 
and he was writing that particular immediate context of Scripture, and, and a lot of people will take that as he was addressing verses 22 through 33 to husbands and wives, but really, that's, they're simp- that, that relationship is simply an illustration or a comparative relationship to the real focus of those particular verses, that particular immediate context of Scripture. What he's really focusing on there is the relationship of Christ to the church and the church to Christ. And so notice in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as Christ, or just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, you see, and the text goes on, but obviously Paul's primary focus there is on the church's relationship to Christ and Christ's relationship to the church. And in the way he is portraying this, it is, it is as a husband-wife relationship in this physical world. And so he uses the relationship between a husband and wife, and he gives great instructions, detailed instructions, very deep and important instructions as to the the husband-wife marriage relationship. But those but but that relationship he's simply using as an illustration of the relationship between Christ and the church. We as the church are the bride of Christ, our head. We are his body. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. We are his body. We are his bride. And we could look at other verses of Scripture that that bring out that reality of the relationship between Christ and the church and the church and Christ. So the most reasonable understanding of John's opening verse here and the address of this particular letter when he says, to the elect lady and her children, is the church and all of those who make up the church each individual Christian, the children of the elect lady, the elect lady being the church and the children being all the members of the church, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Now, you see, especially when you compare the totality of verses 1 and 2, he's talking about the church there. That seems absolutely obvious. We are part of the family of God. We are part of the body of Christ. We are the the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by virtue of having come to understand the truth of his word, the truth of his gospel message, and come to him motivated by those truths to be obedient to him, to be baptized into him for the remission of our sins, 
Acts chapter 2 at verse 38, and Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, and thereby being born again into him, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, must happen. Being made a new creation from a spiritual perspective, as Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17, we are the body of Christ. As the church, we are married to our Lord in that spiritual sense. And so to the elect lady, the church, and her children, all individual Christians who make up the church. And John says, whom I love in truth. Well, of course, John the apostle and a gospel preacher besides that, and an inspired writer to write down God's word in in various letters and and books of the New Testament, of course he loved the the, the church. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. And so again, so whom I have loved or whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. And so truly, true, faithful, dedicated Christians love the church as the bride of Christ. And because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. We emphasize through these podcasts, and not only through these podcast Bible studies, but through our radio programs and through our short Bible classes every day, seven days a week that we call today's Bible class, and and certainly through my preaching and teaching on a personal basis within the Sunny Slope congregation and wherever I might be called upon to preach God's Word, it is the truth that sets us free from the guilt and condemnation of our sins. And that goes back to what Jesus said in John chapter 8. We look at verses 31 and 32, and he said, if you abide in my word. Now, abide means to live in. If you live in, live by my word, you are my disciples indeed. So a whole lot of people, they want to call themselves believers in Jesus and even disciples of Christ, but they're not living by his teachings. Jesus put that that uh, qualifying condition there when he used that word, if. If you abide in my word, continue to live by my teachings, you are my disciples or my followers indeed. Now, somebody who's not living by the teachings of Jesus Christ, they're not following him faithfully. He goes on in verse 32, and he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, it's interesting that John penned this gospel account of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what we might call the book of John. And so here he is again in his second inspired letter, and he says to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, he truly loves the church, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth the truth of God's word, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. God's word, if we're living, dedicated, committed, faithful Christians, then God's word is abiding in us because we're living in God's word. We're living by those teachings. Remember what Jesus said, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
Well, he identified what that truth is unmistakably on the night of his betrayal in John chapter 17 and verse 17. He's praying to the Father on that evening, and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is the basic message of truth that God has had inspired writers such as John, but also the apostle Paul and Peter and so on, write down for us so we can know what the truth of God's will really is for our lives. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, he's writing to the church, he's writing to individual Christians. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, and notice there's parallelism there between this particular verse, what he's saying here, and also what John wrote back in first, uh, back in Second John, chapter one, verses one and two. Peter goes on, you know, you've purified your souls in obeying the truth, and then he's and, and notice he says, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. John's saying that basically. And then in the next verse, verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God, the scriptures, the Bible, the New Testament teachings of Jesus Christ, that's the word of truth that we as Christians are to live in That's the word of truth, God's word, that leads us to forgiveness and redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, we keep emphasizing in this program, and again, in all of our Bible studies that we podcast, and I keep emphasizing it in my teaching and preaching on a personal level, what do the scriptures tell us as to how faith develops within us and how it grows and how it stays strong. It's through our dedication to study and live in God's Word, the teachings of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, or boiled down, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We can understand then why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, study or be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or correctly handling the word of truth, God's word. We need to know God's word in order to know how to make the proper applications that it teaches us to our individual personal lives as followers of God through Jesus Christ, as Christians. Now, how important is it to be in God's word? It is all important. If we truly want to have the faith, saving faith, and strengthening faith, guiding faith that God has designed for us to develop and grow in through his teachings and his word, then we're going to have to be in his word. Because how can we know how to follow God? How can we know how to follow Jesus except learning through 
the word of God through the scriptures. And it's interesting when we look in, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, the Hebrews writer says, therefore, we must give the earnest heed, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. What things we have heard? What somebody whispered in our ear? What somebody told us? A good joke? Well, of course not. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about con- common conversation. The, give er, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, obviously, from God through his word, through the word of God, through scripture. And he clarifies that in a moment. So therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Well, Jesus told the apostles as he was ready to ascend back to heaven after his resurrection, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. His word, the message that God sent him from heaven to bring to mankind the message of salvation and eternal life through Jesus as our Savior. That message of salvation. He told the apostles, preach it everywhere, and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. So here, the Hebrews writer, he says, give the more earnest heed. Be diligent. Pay attention. Be on guard, lest we drift away. And then he, he automatically and naturally connects that with staying in God's word, living by God's word. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we neglect if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord? Jesus came preaching the message of redemption and forgiveness and salvation and was confirmed to us by those who heard him that he sent the apostles out to do the same thing, to preach that same message of forgiveness and salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. Well, we need to give the more earnest heed. We need to be those diligent students of God's word on an ongoing basis because, again, that is how God has communicated to us his will for our lives, his will for our lives. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 16, Peter wrote, we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now that again would go along with what we read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 1 uh, verses 1 through 4 was it I believe let me check again make sure I get the last verse yet in in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 and so the Lord began preaching that gospel message of salvation it was written down for us 
by the inspired writers, and it was continued to be preached by those who heard him. The apostles were right there with Jesus for a period of about three years during his public ministry upon this earth. And he sent them out after his resurrection from the grave and told them, now you all, you all go out and keep preaching this same truth. And so here Peter says, and Peter was one of those apostles sent to go out and continue preaching the gospel. We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He was one of the ones who heard Jesus in his teaching and preaching and was sent then by Jesus to continue preaching that message of salvation through Jesus Christ. But then as other Christians or other people would become Christians, a great many would become preachers and teachers of the word. You might think about uh, uh, Philip would be one. You know, and, and again, it would just, and Steve, uh, Stephen, it would, it, the numbers would grow. They heard Jesus through his word that was taught to them by the apostles who were with him and heard his word personally on a firsthand basis. But then we are those people who have heard his word today when we read the New Testament scriptures and then began teaching it ourselves. Now, we were not there with him during his physical existence on this earth, but we can be there in the sense of reading about it and learning about it through the word that God guided these men, in many cases, who were there with him and heard his teachings personally, but others who may not have been with him, but they were with others with whom God communicated his word in a supernatural way guided them, inspired them, guided them to make sure they wrote just what God wanted them to write as his word. So when we come back to Second John, to the elect lady, the church, and her children, all those who are members of the church, true Christians, not necessarily those who call themselves Christians, but true Christians who have come to God through Christ in the way that God has laid out for us and instructed us to do in his New Testament scriptures. The elect lady and her children. And Paul, John says, whom I love in truth. And not only I, it's not only I who love the church, but also all those who have known the truth, all who have become Christians. You know, we truly, as Christians, we need to truly love the church. And I'm afraid a whole lot of members of the Lord's church really need to learn that lesson and really need to learn it in depth as to how it is that we need to love the church, how we need to revere being a part of the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how we need to love one another as members of the church, individual fellow Christians. Now, John the Apostle wrote about that 
in extensive detail in his first inspired letter, 1 John, which we finished last time. We'll stop here at this point. We'll pick up next time. Go a little, for, a little bit further in this second inspired letter that God guided John through the Holy Spirit to put down in written form. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us so much. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word to guide us in your will and thereby guide us into true faith and then faithful obedience. Help us, Father, to be diligent students of your word all the time on an ongoing basis. And Father, thank you for the church that you sent your son to establish upon this earth. And thank you for blessing us to be a part of that church, individual members, your family, your children. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. And help us and guide us to love the church because it is the body of your son and it is your spiritual family. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. And please, Father, forgive us of our sins and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.